Hello, this is Property Matters, a weekly catch-up on all matters property, supported by Fairview International Property Consultancy and auctionproperty.co.uk. And we're live every Sunday from 10am on YouTube, Facebook and our website, propertymatterstv.co.uk. And if you're watching on our website, we'd love you to leave a Google review for us. Just hit the button and leave us a short uh, message on there. That would be much appreciated. And uh, please get involved by adding your comments in the comments section below, of course, as always. And if you'd like to chat with us on email, it's hello at propertymatterstv.co.uk. Property Matters is also available as a podcast, and you can get that every Monday morning, 10 o'clock, from wherever you get your podcasts from. So let's take a look, let's take a look at this week's news, if it, funny I could say it, uh, with our property expert, Joe Joshi. Morning, Joe. <laughs> Good morning. You've got to put your teeth back in there, Paul. That's yep. the answer. Um, yeah. Uh, good morning to uh, all those listeners and, of course, um, the viewers. And uh, thank you for joining us on the Sunday. So we're continuing the theme with lettings and uh, landlords and rentals at the moment. This seems to be where the action is, if you like, in the property industry at the moment. Uh, this perfect storm they're talking about brewing in the lettings market with rentals spiring. This is particularly the case, Joe, in the capital, in London. Uh, and the impact of widening supply and demand imbalance is having uh, a real effect, fueling basically the increase on rents because workers are gradually coming back into town, landlords are selling up and a lack of social housing being built in the capital, all says Winkworth, the estate agents. Landlords are selling up, people are rushing back into the cities for work for the first time, work, working um, uh, less remotely as they were before and that's fueling demand. People can't, be, can't pay beyond what they're affording but there's some crazy stories out there. People are paying a year in advance for rent, for example, paying well over the, the rental asking price. So it looks like uh, the, 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 the storm is brewing and we've even got now um, foreign investors, haven't we, Go coming in and looking at rental properties because the London yields are so good. That's right. I mean, it was expected. And we've been saying in our, our show for some time now that, um, you know, the, the letting market, especially when you're looking at the private rental sector, um, with all the taxations that have been thrown at landlords, landlords have been sort of almost pushed out of the um, property market, um, coupled with uh, high interest rates. So that, you know, there's a storm brewing in terms of the market. There's also equally a greater storm brewing in terms of outgoings and costs, um, which is not, uh, you know, sort of sitting favorably with landlords who then want to sort of maybe come out of the, um, the letting industry. And that creates a problem with supply and demand. And it's always a, it is always a factor of supply and demand because if the demand is great, which of course it is at the moment, as you rightly say, people are looking to pay up to a year ahead in rents, in some cases even more, and perhaps even more than what, what the market rent may have been. Even a year ago, you know, um, the rate, rent, rents are now so much higher that people are having to sort of, you know, swallow that bitter pill and, and go because they want a roof over their head. So there's a whole bunch of things that are creating this this perfect storm that we are we're talking about, and um, and it's com it's a combination of many many things that are coming. But yes, the rental market at this moment and going forward, I think, is going to be um, the hot topic. It's proving to be a real minefield for the government, is it? Because they've wedded themselves to a path of reform to help renters, and the landlord is the big nasty wolf. Um, and at the end of the day, the landlord's saying, right, I've had enough, I'm off. So who's going to provide the housing afterwards? That's the big question. It's almost like they've got some other organisation up their sleeve that's going to be able to provide the properties, but I can't see where it's going to come from. 
Well, I mean, there have been lots of uh, rumours about, um, you know, corporate management. So the build to rent schemes are something that has been going on where people are saying, OK, people will buy. So some of the corporations, again, I think we've touched on this before, that some of the uh, <coughs> supermarkets are sitting on lumps of land, lumps of property where they potentially are thinking about instead of originally selling the site and letting a, a house builder build them, they're now thinking of, of basically building them and keeping them and continue to rent them. It does two or three things for those people. One is that they've got a good, a good investment. B, they've got ready-made shoppers for their shops below um, in terms of supermarkets and so forth. So there may be that there are there are lobbying going on in the background by big, big supermarket types of operations and saying, well, look, you know, um, these small guys, they're going to be pushed out and we're, we're going to come in. But the problem with those things is, Paul, in my mind, that you end up with a, a lot of ghettos um, because nobody really is in charge. Nobody really looks after them, at least where you've got private uh, landlords. They maintain their properties or at least they feel obliged to maintain their properties um, in order to make sure that they get the better quality tenant and obviously the best possible rent which corporates may not have the same view because it'll always be somebody else that's managing it somebody else that was it was their job not my job and there's always be somebody else's fault that something's not working the way it should be and that happens in corporations that we all know uh, and and there's lots of um, examples of that which I'm sure we can touch base on but for now it is a problem for um, small landlords and the government is creating a massive problem for themselves because as they manage to push them out, as you rightly say, there is nothing really that is bringing in the new stock. And many people are calling, in fact, all of our stories this week mention this about the fact that there should be the removal of the tax relief um, um, or, or tax relief should be regranted. It was taken away in 2015, wasn't it? So removing the tax relief on interest payments and, and other expenses does nothing to improve supply and it doesn't make for higher rental accommodation standards. It just puts landlords underwater. So a lot of organisations saying, look, give the landlord something back, give them an incentive to be there if you really do want them to be there. Uh, but by giving them the opportunity to, to break even at least isn't going to uh, affect anything to do with uh, wanting higher standards of rental accommodation. Too much red tape now, Paul. Far too much red tape um, created simply because they wanted to protect the tenant. But in all honesty, if you actually ask most of the tenants on the ground, and this is, this is the old, uh, age old problem. You know, if you're looking at voters or if you're looking at uh, polls and you're looking at you know, views, you might take a hundred people out of a hundred people, maybe 50 have actually bothered to vote and out of 50, you might find that 10 have said that they don't like the idea. And all of a sudden they're saying it's, you know, 10% uh, or 25% of, of the people are saying this. It's, it's a bit, bit like our, um, you know, day of Brexit. I mean, if you really look at what happened there, that was a scenario where probably not as many people that we thought should have gone out and voted, but the ones that did vote, of which, you know, 49 or 51% said, we want to go. And, and that created this lovely storm that we're now in, in terms of, you know, Brexit terms. It's, it's exactly the same thing that happens in, in these situations. The government goes out and says, you know, and you might find that 25 or 30 tenants out of 100 have turned around and said, oh, yeah, I've been hard done by the landlords are horrible, et cetera, et cetera. 
and all of a sudden they've turned around and said, we'll create new policies, we'll protect you because we want to be seen to be doing the right thing for the tenants and subsequently we, um, we will change the, the law and, and the landlord can suffer. But of course, what they forget is that who puts the bread on the table? The landlord does. The landlord is the one that goes and invests. The landlord is the one that goes and maintains. The landlord is the one that has taken the risk um, in terms of owning and, and then renting a property. Um, the tenants have all these rights. I mean, currently, as you know, we've been discussing the section, the abolition of the Section 21 and all the other things. These are all things that are driving landlords away, saying, well, you know what? Do I really want to be in this game and have all this hassle for the, for the, for the normal and then pay a huge amount in taxes? So I don't think the government's policy or, or, or the levelling up team or whatever you know, team is in there that have done this are actually really seriously thinking about the long term. They'll come back. It will be a back. I'm telling you this now. Half of these things will be taken away and they'll go, oh yeah, we've made a mistake and we need to actually help the landlord because we haven't got enough properties. There'd be more people on streets, more people that are knocking on council doors. And guess where the council get their stock from? They also get it from private landlords. Indeed they do. And it's interesting, isn't it? Because uh, if we did have a, a, a change of party at the next election, then all of this might be academic, which I haven't uh, actually thought about till you mentioned it there. But um, standards will improve, of course, if there's competition for tenants and rents will stop going up if there's more availability. And they do say uh, that they agree with you, but build to rent is one solution, but that's not going to be here quick enough. They talk about one flat that they had come onto the market, um, or the, sorry, anywhere within 20 minutes of commute of the West End, right, rents have gone up by 20%, and one particular bedroom, one bedroom flat that they had on a main road, received multiple offers over the asking rent, with tenants offering to pay a year's rent up front in advance to clinch the deal. I mean, that's crazy, isn't it? So many stories, that was one of many stories uh, at this moment in time. The stock levels are so low. I mean, you know, the calls that we're getting uh, are for family homes um, and for uh, commuter belt homes, um, for rental properties, and is, there's just not enough. I mean, and rents have gone up so high that it's scary to think that somebody is gonna be able to afford um, that. And that is, by the way, just the rent, so you've got the rates and the utilities and all the others to come on top before you actually get. And part of the problem with that is that sometimes people get in and, and say, okay, well, I'll do it, I can afford it. And actually when they're in the property, they're now not in a position to afford it. And that's when they start to knock on the door of the council and so forth. And that puts the landlord at a very, very different and difficult position because he probably didn't bargain for someone who's on a good job, then is now no longer on an inner job. Now he's looking for support from the benefit system and so forth and so forth and, 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 and just continues to unravel. And before you know it, you've got yourself, you're holding a baby that you particularly didn't want to be having. Yeah, they're saying one and two bedroom apartments are renting out very, very quickly. 70 inquiries within hours of any flat being listed in uh, the, the, that sort of 20 minute um, uh, area of the West End. Um, and of course, as we mentioned at the beginning, the rise of uh, buy to let investors from abroad who are coming in, of course, to buy outright, don't need a mortgage. Um, and they're attracted by the, uh, the, the weak pound at the moment because it's making the properties good value for them. Yeah, look, you know, uh, every cloud has a silver lining. And, and at the end of the day, 
you know, people from abroad are taking full advantage of the value of the pound against whatever their currency is. And they're saying, okay, well, this is that this is our time to step into London, have a piece of London, get a property there, rent it out. And yes, the yields can be better for those because they've not borrowed or their gearing is not as high as we think it's going to be. Whereas borrowing in the UK is now beyond belief. I mean, buy to let mortgages, uh, to the best of my knowledge, I mean, sort of had discussions is anything between six and seven and a half percent. Um, and uh, yeah, that, that really does sort of put the, the lid on top of the, the letting market because in order to actually make something really worthwhile, you've got to be netting about 10% return um, in order to make sure that you're actually making some money. Otherwise, the, all you're doing is, is buying an abide-to-let mortgage and paying the mortgage out of the rent that's coming through. So who pays? The rent has to be paid by somebody and that's going to be the tenant. So whilst at the moment the government's done all these fantastic things about saying to tenants, we're going to look after you, um, what they haven't done is invertedly not look after them. So they may have stopped them making fees and you know, charges that they would have done, et cetera, et cetera. Now they're paying high rents. Um, so, you know, okay, the landlord's got to pay the fee, but he's also going to charge the tenant the high rent. So what round goes around comes around. It's, it's just, it's just you know, chicken and egg sort of situation. And I think that... Um, Government really hasn't um, thought about this, you know, deeply and correctly um, and scaring away landlords is not a good thing for them. I guess with uh, so much competition for each property, it's probably wise to make the letting agent your best friend and be in the office regularly and looking for the opportunities and not just waiting for a, an email from a property portal to tell you that there's a new property on there. And if the email comes from a property portal, the chances are by the time you got the email, they, as you rightly say they've had so many offers and so many people viewing that the choice is huge and wide so yes it is good to be friends with a, a letting agent but at the same time that agent hasn't got the stock majority of them are sitting there twiddling their thumb looking for stock um and if not getting the stock in um it's no good sitting there because you're now going to cost them a lot of cup of teas because they're sitting in front of you and not allowed to do any work so best thing to do is you know keep in touch but not on top. <laughs> it's so what, in the office. <laughs> what's your uh, what's your advice to landlords now? I mean, bearing in mind that a lot of landlords like to manage their own properties and their own legislation and compliance, but uh, is there a case now for definitely using a letting agent to manage your properties for you and paying them the percentage? I think if you look at what is involved, it's probably just as wise to use a letting agent and let them do it. Um, I mean, you can do it. There'll always be, you know, somebody who comes along cheaper than the next one. I can tell you, uh, and I'm sure you've uh, come across the historical um, funny coloured brick firm that, you know, came to the market a few years ago and said that they were the absolute DBs in, in the way the world's going to be. And today they're up for sale uh, and nobody wants to buy them because, you know, that, that cheaper end policy often has never worked. I mean, I've done it for 40 odd years of my life. And, uh, you know, we've had these you know, newbie startups and so forth. And ultimately, the human touch, the Joe Joshi experience, the people that, you know, have got the expertise and knowledge and so forth and work for it. You can't, there's nothing, you can't buy that for nothing. And that's the way it works. And so it's the same for services in lettings. You might think, well, actually, I'll cut out the agent and not have an agent do this for me. 
but then you want to go back to the agent when you are in trouble asking for free advice what do i do here oh this has happened to my property what do i do here well you weren't there in the first place so my advice always is going to be let them do what they're good at doing and you do what you're good at doing that's the you know, horses for horses in my book but unfortunately everybody wants to be an agent everybody's going to be a letting agent so it's not until they've actually had that bitter experience or sad experience that they might come back and say actually maybe it's better for me to use a, a, an agent that can deal with these things. Yeah, I did read uh, some time ago, was it something like 170 different pieces of legislation governing a, a rental property? It's, it's probably yeah. wise to take advice. Let's move on to licensing, Joe, because one of the things that uh, Mr. Gove is talking about is licensing landlords. And um, interesting piece from uh, Property Mark this uh, week saying that local authorities uh, obviously exist to improve housing stock in their area. However, licensing is not necessarily the best way to improve standards across the private rented sector. This is according to Property Mark. They say that they've been actively voicing concerns with local authorities and local representatives up and down the country. They say one of the biggest issues is the lack of resources available for the enforcement of such schemes to effectively ensure standards are being met. Previously, a stumbling block has always been inadequate staffing levels, which has meant that uh, all aims have failed, meaning compliant landlords are paying sometimes a hefty price whilst rogue landlords continue to operate under the radar. So they're urging the government to provide more funding for local authority enforcement and ensure councils produce information uh, about their enforcement activity. They give the example, and I'll just discuss this with you, of Brent Council which offers one of the largest licensing scheme proposals. It will cover borough-wide 21 of the 22 wards, uh, and that just excludes Wembley Park, an area I think you quite know quite well. Uh, the PRS is huge in Brent, making up 45.6% of all the housing in the area. And then total, that's around 50,000 private rented properties within the scope of the scheme. So to base an estimate of one member of staff visiting three properties per day, it would take them 50 years to complete the checks with the current resources on every property, which is completely unrealistic and they will never get the scheme up to speed. So there's clearly got to be massive investment and you wonder whether the idea seems great in principle to license everything, but uh, in reality, how's it gonna take place? Well, here's another another situation, isn't it, Paul? You know, licensing, Mr. Gove is out there to get these landlords, but, you know, these things are not going to help landlords wanting to invest and to, to buy to rent properties for people that need a um, roof over their head. It's just not going to happen. And um, 50 years is, is a long time to get through uh, the licensing program. And to be honest with you, uh, it's just going to deter everybody wanting to be involved in... Um, in the buy to let market, you know, unless the, the incentives are so high and so good, I can't see that um, a program of licensing of any sort uh, is, is gonna be there. And then of course, here is a situation that the government will need to throw some money at doing all of this. In all honesty, what they really should be doing is throwing some money at, at reducing some of the liabilities that landlords have in order to make sure that they continue to want to buy and rent and, and, and produce enough properties for all those people that are sitting on lists at the councils and perhaps even private renters who desperately want to get their own place and cannot. And of course, if the supply becomes um, much more fluid, 
the rents will start to slip down a bit and that makes it more viable for people to be able to rent. But if they continue down this route, then really they're making a rod for them, their own back, especially having the rents going up so much that the, um, the tenants cannot afford to, to, to rent. Um, and equally, they can't afford to find their properties because the properties aren't available. So I'm not 100% sure that this is a, a damn good idea. In fact, I think they should put it in the bin before it even comes to the desk. <laughs> some local authorities are actually proposing some quite hefty fees for a five-year licence. £652, right up to 1215 for a HMO, a house of multiple occupation. Um, some places, such as Merton, are suggesting that if you've got multiple licences in one unit, they'll give you a discount. But it's going to be uh, yet another tax on the landlord, isn't it, Joe? Yeah, I mean, it's just, like I said, it's just another added you know, tax, another stealth tax in a, in a, in a overt way to say to the landlord, you know, and that's just not a good enough reason for people wanting to invest into property, especially landlords, and, the, and we need them. Look, at the end of the day, whatever kind of landlord you are, you need people to invest so that they can rent out. There's more youngsters, there's more people that are queuing up now looking to have their own place. It is the nature of this country, it's a part of the UK's DNA, that we want to have our own place, albeit it might be early rental and it might be for sale. But the way it's going at the moment, it's not going to happen. Now, I understand. I understand that the market has been really good and the people are, are, have been out there buying and, you know, obviously house prices have shifted up and so forth. Recently, it's gone slower because of the, the amount of interest rates that have gone up and also, you know, all the utilities have gone up. But it's, it's it's like killing the, the goose with the golden egg situation, really. And here we are, which is, you know, a, a must. It's, a, it's one of the top three to five musts. I want a home. People want to have their own place. And if it continues like this, we're going to have a shortage of properties and, of course, much, much uh, high expensive rents. I know that there are more people now going into sharing, which is going back, I don't know, 30 years, though, maybe. There was a time when... You know, it was the only thing. You used to buy a two-bedroom flat knowing full well that you're going to probably end up renting one room and that room rental is going to help you cover the cost of the mortgage and the living and so forth. And that's how you always wanted to buy the two-bedroom. It's always a fallback situation to do. Well, that, that's here now. I mean, it's not, it's not just, you know, housing, multiple occupancy, all of those things are here. There are other schemes that have also taken priority and that reduces those housing multiple occupancies. Things like um, help for social living, you know, people that are not able to live within a certain thing. They, they put them into uh, homes or houses where they have an awarded, warden that will assist them through their life. They come out of perhaps serving time and they need to be in a position where they need to be looked after. So, so all of those things, and guess what? The government pays heavily for those sort of things. And because they do, landlords are thinking well actually why do i want the trouble of renting to a private tenant who's going to be whinging at me for a leaky tap like a leaky tap every other day when i could put you know and the government are going to pay me and they're probably going to look after it so you know there's a there's a lot of areas that need to be looked at but the, the bottom line is if we don't you know change the route towards landlords sooner or later there's not going to be many properties available to rent 
property market suggesting that rather than licensing, they should uh, be looking at something like the London rental standard or even co-regulation models, where presumably um, the government and uh, certain organisations like them look to um, to sort of self-police everything. Um, do you think there's an alternative to licensing? Licensing? No, it's just another job for somebody else to do. It's a bit like having all these, you know, ombudsmans and thismans and thatmans and so forth. They just they just come along and sit there and create a committee to do something that probably, you know, if they were allowed to just get on with their job, they would just get on with their job um, and do it properly. Uh, they create these things because it's a good idea for someone. It's a job for the boys, um, and um, and everybody else ends up paying for it. I don't. I just don't think that it's necessary. I think all these hurdles are are just created. Just do the basics, you know, uh, look after the landlords and the landlords will ultimately look after the tenants. Um, they don't look after the tenants because they've got so much put onto themselves that it comes to a point where you think, you know what, what difference does it make if I don't or don't? I'm going to get penalised anyway. And when you start to think like that, that's how, you know, the whole thing starts to roll out. And yes, somebody could come along and create licensing like they've suggested for and that would be a job for a couple of chaps to wander around and upset everybody to say, oh, this is not right and that's not right. And you're not meeting this criteria. I'm going to condemn it. Great. It's a condemned property. Leave it on, out on the side. And that's one less that's in the system for somebody to have. No judgment on it. It's just what happens. So I think sometimes we create all these roles for the sheer hell of creating them, really. Final story of the week then, Joe, is um, about uh, the number of buy-to-let properties coming to auction. One auction company says that 38% uh, or a third of properties coming to auction right now are from buy-to-let investors looking to exit the market quickly uh, via um, various auction sites. The uh, company's market analysis shows that landlords with cash to buy could be the biggest winners in the current market. So this is wherever there's a downside, I suppose, there's an opportunity. They found that some landlords are willing to sell their investment properties for up to 25% or even 30% less than they might have sold for before uh, seeking the opportunity to get out the market quickly. Investment buyers are looking to achieve a rental yield of at least 8% for a property to be considered an attractive purchase according to the survey. So I would imagine that that uh, survey was done probably before the latest interest rates but 8% doesn't quite seem uh, um, enough to make a profit on. If you've got a mortgage. Yeah, I, I, I think that's um, it's just a news item to a large extent. Uh, we are property auctioneers and I can tell you we're not getting rushed by um, buy-to-let landlords wanting to dump their properties because all of a sudden it's causing a problem. There are much, much bigger issues that they have to think about in, in, in the background. Yes, on the face of it, it becomes unviable, uh, uh, unprofitable and you're not getting the returns because the, the rates have gone up to such a level. But at the same time, they're not going to dump their properties for losing money for the sake of it, unless it was something so dire and so desperate that it was the only route to do. So I think it's a good sell, but I'm being honest that, that as far as I'm concerned, it's not where, where it actually sits. I think, yes, people do use the auction route as an exit for properties that are perhaps on you know, lower leases, and that's where landlords might find that, well, actually, the leases are less. I'm going to have to pay a lot of money to extend the lease. Maybe this is my time to exit. The discount rates are basically based on, you know, how much uh, they've got to renew the, the new lease by, perhaps. Um, and certainly, um, 
uh, in terms of the, the return, 8% is just not viable. I mean, as I said earlier on, you know, buy to lets are anything between six and a half and seven and a half percent as a as a rate. So you've got to, I mean, if you're having it seven and a half percent, you're looking at half a percent markup. That's going to go just in the basic cost. In fact, you're going to end up paying out your own pocket. You've probably got to look at at least net of 10 percent to to make to wet somebody's appetite. Now that was different five six months ago. Literally five six months ago, you could do this at five or six percent because the rate was at two three percent. But it's gone you know, crazy. Um, so I can't see that that would be the reason. But yes, auction by every uh, reason is the right way to deal with it. In fact, it's one of the only ways to deal with property sales at this moment in time, because even the private rental sector, the private treaty is having a challenge primarily because of the borrowing. I mean, lenders want to borrow the money, but they are calculated on base of affordability and allowing for the recent utility hikes affordability has become more and more challenging. Um, so therefore some sellers might think, well, actually the best thing for me to do is to sell to a cash buyer. Undoubtedly, as you said earlier on, cash is king. Cash has always been king. Um, and uh, so no matter who you are, what time of the life and cycle you are, if you have the cash, you definitely have the power to buy at the best possible prices. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's no doubt that you could still make a good profit if you were the cash buyer, 8%, because you're not having to pay the uh, the extra high um, buy-to-let mortgage rates. Um, so they're talking about the fact the most popular purchases that investors are looking for are two-bed flats, 40% of them want those, followed by two- to three-bedroom houses, 30% want those. One-bedroom flats, then 15% are after those, and some 15% of investment purchases have been HMOs because they can potentially offer a, uh, a better return overall. So that's the, uh, that's the, that, that's, uh, that sounds about right, doesn't it, Joe? Two-bedroom flats, everyone wants one of those, one for an office and one for you and your other half to live in yes and as i said earlier on alternatively one day they can sublet out you know rent out rent a room out um, um and and sort of subsidize the whole situation that's what used to happen back in you know the early days they people will buy a two-bedroom and then rent one out so that they've got a, a support mechanism um but then of course you know the computer came and people wanted to study and so forth so yeah two bedrooms are very popular one bedrooms are popular in the centre of London, uh, primarily because, you know, any space in central London uh, would be uh, would be a good good thing. During the pandemic, there was a huge shortage of tenants coming into London. Now there is a level of what we call normality. Uh, people want to go back to work. They want to actually physically be at their desk instead of sitting at home in their garden office, which they put together at the time of the pandemic having the birds and the bees singing to them whilst they were trying to tap, tap away. They're now quite happy to be back in the chug-along of the underground, you know, and the, and the shuffling and back to, back to work. And so, yeah, that supply and demand is, is very hard. The demand is high and the supply is limited. So that's why rental values have been pushing up. And that's why for every one property, there are probably 100 potential tenants at the moment. Um, and long may that continue. Well, there's never been a dull week in the property market all the time that we've been doing this show, and I don't suppose it's going to change anytime soon. So another three interesting stories. Thanks for your short. Thanks for your shorts. Thanks for your thoughts, Joe. <laughs> we'll be back at the same time next week.